Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us for worship today. Uh, We want to welcome all of our guests and visitors who may be here today. The flowers that are placed in our sanctuary this morning are in honor of the 56th wedding anniversary of Tommy and Tucker Hackett. Uh, That was yesterday on August 31st, and so we want to wish them a happy anniversary as of yesterday. Um, At this time, you may notice that we have a a big clump of people right here in the middle of our sanctuary. Um, And so we we welcome the the Gardner-Webb soccer team here today. We're glad that that you all are here. At this time, as we welcome them, I'm going to ask Coach Tony Setzer if if he would come up and just say a word. Um, And we are certainly glad that all of you are here for worship today. Wow, I I love coming to this church to open our season because people don't realize that this small little town is a home. And for these college college students, I want them to understand that this is the founding church of our university. This community has nurtured that university through good times and bad times, watched it grow, watched it have some downfalls and struggles. But during that time, it is the people of this church who have been steadfast supporters of our university. And I just want to say thank you. A lot of them don't know the history that this sanctuary used to be down the road a little bit before it came here 50 years ago. Guys, this little town You look around at the faces here. These are the faces that I call home, and it is now your home. And these faces welcome you and love you, and this is a great sanctuary. I hope that a lot of you will choose to attend services here, and that's why I bring you, is to say thanks to these people here for always supporting us and always being a family to Gardner-Webb. Thank you for allowing us to share this day with you. We really appreciate you and hope you'll come out to some of the games sometime. Thank you. Our opening hymn this morning is hymn number 310, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. 310, if you are able, please stand and join in singing.
to come forward for lesson on the steps. Come and join us. Claire, will you come sit right out here in front of me? The flowers are drinking water. That's exactly right. Here come Claire, come out here. So they can grow in the jar. Come on, Claire. All right, you want to sit right there, Claire? You like real flowers? These are real flowers. Just hold on one minute. I'm going to share one with you, okay? It's okay. All right. All right. I want to read a scripture to you that a lot of you already know. Luke, can you sit right there? Sit right there. There you go. You do. Okay. Wait one second, okay? All right. Our scripture today comes from John, the verses 3, 16. Some of you've heard this before because we've talked about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. God's love, he loves us so much. But you know, sometimes, and maybe we're not quite big enough, but I'll bet maybe mom or dad, when they were growing up and they were in elementary school, they might have taken a flower like this See if I can get one out a little easier. Okay, like this. Do you want to hold my jar for me? Yes. Okay, can you hold it steady? Yes, I won't break it. You won't break it. I know you won't. Okay, they might have said, okay, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And that might be an indication of whether you're a good boy to pick to be my boyfriend. What do you think, Wyatt? You're not sure? Or you may be doing it for a little girl to see if the yellow's in the inside. See, they might be doing it for a little girl. That's exactly right, Levi. How about sitting down so I can see behind you? Sit down. Sit down so I can see Logan. Now, do you think God pulls off petals in the flower for us? Yes. You think he does? So what if he pulls off a petal and it says he doesn't love you anymore? Um, you die. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think God's love ever dies. He loves us every day. He loves us every day. He loves us on good days and bad days. So when we take a daisy and we do that, we don't need to worry about whether we got a girlfriend or a boyfriend because there's something in our heart that keeps us strong and that's God's love. So Wyatt, when you need to do this for, not yet, I'm gonna give you one, but not in here, not in the church because we don't want petals all over the floor, okay? That's exactly right. They had to clean it up. So when you have a boyfriend, Eliza, and Daddy says it's okay, or Wyatt has a girlfriend and he takes a daisy, just remember God never has to take a daisy because he's right here in your heart every single day. Ellen. Yes. I'm going to take... Um a flower for my mama. You may do that very well. I will give you. Um, um, 
I'm gonna give you a flower in just a minute, okay? You want a whole flower, you don't want my flower. Okay, I'll give you a whole flower. I, you don't need my flower. Okay, all right, let me hold them for just a minute. Okay, I'm gonna put them right there. Okay, let's have our prayer. Sit down, let's have our prayer. You don't have to close your eyes, but we have to be quiet. Dear Lord, we know that it, we don't need a daisy to tell you, us that you love us. These children are evident that you love us. The fact that they love you without question, that they know you are in their heart, in their church, and in their families. We ask as they grow each day, as they go to school each day and meet new friends and make new discoveries that you're in their heart and sitting on their shoulder. Protect them, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ellen, I'm glad you're giving out whole flowers this morning. I'm glad you're giving out whole flowers this morning. And Catherine, thank you for playing for us this morning as well. Before Roger comes, he's gonna share a word uh, before we listen to our last audio segment from former pastor T. Max Lennons this morning. But before he comes, uh, I told him just to come on up and go right at it. So he's probably wondering why I'm up here, but I just publicly want to thank him uh, and our 50th anniversary planning team. They have been hard at work now for weeks, for months in making this year special, this fall special, and especially this next Sunday, a, a meaningful and significant day for the life of our church. So Roger, thank you for all your work. You come and you come and share with us this morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, that shouldn't be for me. There's a, a big committee that's doing this. Uh, a few things to bring uh, up to date so I don't forget them really. Uh, Jamie Nolan has told me if I can recruit a few people, we'll move this, these things, the, the luminaries and some other things that are in the entranceway into the, at the arch area, into the office area. So some of you guys who are pretty strong and you know, think you're he-men, how about helping us after uh, uh, the service today and get these things out uh, so we look a little better. Last week we voted to have a 50 for 50 fundraiser. We have now two kinds of envelopes in which you can make a contribution. Uh, anything you choose to do, it can be 50 pennies, it can be hopefully 50 $10 bills. But, but uh, whatever you choose, we would appreciate any kind of offering you can give toward a 50 for 50 fund. The money is to go 50% for the uh, food pantry, which is always in need of uh, help, and then 50% for a, a benevolent fund. If a, uh, a situation arises where somebody has a need, we want to help them out with that. Now, the principal reason I'm here is to talk to you about next Sunday's activities. Uh, you'll see in your bulletin there is an insert that has a pretty detailed description of what's going on uh, for you guys from Gardner, we are celebrating our 50th anniversary in this building and the education building. And uh, 50 years ago, our church was located where the uh, Dover Chapel is. And a, a big moment in the history of our church is when 
the congregation walked from the area of the Dover Chapel to this building. We're reenacting that next Sunday. Uh, and, and it will begin in this way. Uh, at 8.45, buses or vans will be out front uh, to take you to the, uh, to the chapel up, uh, up the street. Those buses are, will run from 8.45 till 9.25. At 9.30, we will have a brief uh, program basically to tell you a little bit of history about the church and what's gone on for the past 50 years. Then we will walk back here. If you're unable to walk, the van will bring you back, but we will have uh, the procession from, from the Dover Chapel to this sanctuary. One slight change from a normal circumstances at, at 10.45, the service in the sanctuary will begin rather than 10.55 as we typically do. So remember that, if you're not making the, the walk, be here at, at least 1045. After the service, we're, we will be meeting in the uh, uh, LEC for a uh, luncheon. That's a catered lunch that uh, is free to everyone, but we are Baptists, and if you'd like to make a contribution, we'd certainly appreciate it. <laughs> we uh, will have baskets for you, and you can make, give just as much or just as little as you choose to do. So those are the highlights of what's going on next week. Uh, this church is very fortunate. Uh, for 27 years, uh, we had a pastor who served us from, I believe I'm right on the dates, of, uh, from 1958 to 1985. T. Max Lillies was our pastor. And certainly he was here during the time that we had the walk from, from up, up the street. T. Max was a, uh, I guess he was a Renaissance man. He was a uh, Quaker by birth and a Marine. That's sort of a strange combination. Uh, he was a uh, outdoorsman and he was a scholar. He was a, a sportsman and he was a preacher. He was a truck driver and he was a poet. We have been fortunate for the last three Sundays to have portions of a poem that uh, Mr. Lennon's wrote and read, we think, on the first service in this sanctuary. In a few moments, we're going to hear the last of that. Max Lennon's influence on this church continues in ways we, we don't really realize sometimes. That Quaker background of his meant that he liked simplicity in things. Uh, I know he's not totally responsible for everything in, in this sanctuary, but much of his, his influence is here. If you'll notice, we have a very simple wooden cross in the baptistry rather than a, a painting of the Jordan River in somebody's imagination. Uh, we have no chandeliers here. He would have thought those were ostentatious. And we have these beautiful but simple windows. And if you'll notice, they begin with the birth of Jesus and they events throughout his life to the ascension. That's sort of typical of how Max Lennon would have looked at things. So if you will, listen to the ma majestic voice of Max Lennon on this last section of the poem he wrote 
for, about his church and about our church. Thank you. On, de on dedication day, we read this prayer from God's word. And behold, I purpose to build a house under the name of the Lord my God, that thine eyes may be open toward this house night and day, toward the place of which thou hast said, My name shall be there. And hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people, when they shall pray toward this place, and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive. The preceding narration was written and read by Reverend T. Max Lemons, pastor of Bowling Springs Baptist Church, Bowling Springs. Producer and director, Larry Lemons. As part of our continuing celebration for these 50 years that we remember the day we walked, or that many, since some of you walked from Dover Chapel area to this current facility, as part of commemorating this year and uh, honoring it in a special way, we have uh, chosen to uh, lead an effort to raise funds for windows in our current education building. As you might imagine, a facility that is 50 years old needs some upkeep and needs some uh, some attention. And so at this time I'm going to uh, recognize Melissa Davis for just a quick word from our stewardship committee. And I would encourage you to open up your bulletin, not your insert, but open up your bulletin uh, to the right page and Melissa will be sharing a word. You come on up, Melissa, and, and share a word from the stewardship committee about that. Good morning. I was baptized in the church over um, where Dover Chapel now stands. And um, 50 years, I don't feel like it's been 50 years ago, but it has been. And our, our church does need maintenance and the windows were in desperate need of repair. Our goal was to raise enough money uh, through special offering. And offering, I looked that up, that's love. Offering means to give with love. And we have a very special congregation that loves their church because we will be repairing or replacing, excuse me, 117 windows. And um, uh, there is an example right over here. Jamie Nolan has placed one over here, uh, one of the windows that we will be ordering. Uh, the smaller window has been there for a while as an example, but this one is the one that we will be ordering to replace our 117 windows. And they cost $500 a piece. That means that uh, in order to uh, replace them all, we needed to raise $58,500. And we have met our goal. And I am so proud to be a part of such a loving and giving congregation. 
uh, Mr. Eddie Key with Carolina Artisans has been contracted to replace our windows. We will need to get our windows ordered, make sure that we order the ones that fit out correctly. And um, again, I want to say thank you so much to our, our wonderful, loving con uh, contribution from our congregation. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa, and thank all of you who have given to that cause. Before I pray this morning, let me uh, remind all of us to be in prayer. I heard just within the last hour that Hurricane Dorian, I think I'm saying that right, is now a Category 5 hurricane. And we want to be in prayer for the Bahamas and the people that are being impacted at this very moment uh, there. And then in prayer for Florida, Georgia, and the Carolina coast as this thing comes our way and not knowing exactly what it's going to do. We're grateful that it will not be a direct hit, we hope. Uh, but we certainly want to pray for all of those who are in the path of this terrible storm. Let's also continue to remember Dave Gordon, Roger Webb. We have others in our church family uh, that are struggling at this hour, and we want to be mindful of them. Will you go with me in prayer? God, you are our God of ages past and our hope for years to come. We thank you for the rich history that this church has, not only in its structures and in its windows and in its beauty, but Lord, we're grateful for the people that have made up Boiling Springs Baptist Church, for the leaders that you sent, for the people whose lives have been transformed and been encouraged, for the many that are no longer sitting and worshiping in this place, but who have been called and who have been sent out, some into our local community and some around the world to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For that, we give you praise. Father, stir our hearts this morning to be burdened about the things that burden yours. Father, we confess that we often miss the mark. We are selfish, we are prideful, we pursue things that at times simply do not matter in eternity. And Father, please forgive us. Lord, lead us down the paths that you would have us to go, paths that are not always easy, paths that are at times the hardest thing we will ever do. But Father, you promised us in your word that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You promised us in your word that your love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so for those promises we claim this morning. For those in our church family that are struggling physically, we pray for healing. For those this morning that may not have a physical illness but may be struggling with brokenness in relationships, and maybe they're broken from hurt, Father, we pray for healing. For those in the path of this terrible storm, Father, we do pray that you would send it on out into the ocean, and Father, that it would not harm anyone on land, but Lord, it looks like it is coming to affect the lives of some, and so Father, we pray for those that are in its path now, and for those that could likely be in its path in the coming days. Help us as we will have opportunities in October to give toward mission efforts that will help with recovery and help with uh, crisis intervention. Lord, help us to give and to give generously. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you for everyone here today, for the faithful, and Lord, for these from Gardner-Webb. Bless them in their year, keep them safe from injury, and help them to enjoy the athletic gifts that you have blessed them with. Father, we love you. We commit this service to you. We pray for the songs, for the prayers, for the reading of your scripture and the preaching of your word this morning, that it would fall on ears and hearts and minds that would be receptive and open to what you would have to teach us today. We ask this prayer in the almighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Our hymn is hymn number 641, Higher Ground, 641. If you're able, please stand and join in singing.
again. Lord, we thank you for this day. We ask now that you would bless the gifts that are given and that you would bless the giver of the gifts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Aren't you glad that the potter's hand continues to work on us, shaping us and molding us to look more like him?
If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the famous chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm grateful that this, the subject of this chapter is still being molded and worked on in my life, and I know in yours as well. This chapter is not just for weddings. It's not just for momentous occasions, but it's for everyday living as a Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may... excuse me, my body, so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. And in the Greek, this word is always used in reference to people and not patience with circumstances. It describes the man who is slow to anger, who is used of God himself in his relationship with us. Love is kind. Love is not envious, boastful, or arrogant. Love is not a braggart or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. But as for the prophecies, they will come to an end. And as for the tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will become to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now, faith, hope, and love. These three remain, but the greatest of these is love. God, I ask that you bless the reading and the preaching of your word this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So the question, what does a pastor preach on a Sunday before this big day next week when we celebrate 50 years of something that was momentous in the life of our church? 50 years ago, we walked from that former sanctuary to our present sanctuary. Another question, what does a pastor preach amid a culture that at times in a church that's trying to find its way amid the times? Of all the important scriptures, topics that a preacher could address for this time in the life of a congregation, why 1 Corinthians 13 and why now? And the answer is because it matters. I can't speak for all the couples in the room this morning, but I would venture to say, first of all, that you've had a few disputes, a few arguments, especially in those first few years of marriage. I hope they're not continuing on a regular basis. But one of the things, how those arguments or conversations could have played out is one says to the other, you're arguing about something, and one says to the other, why does this matter so much? This this really doesn't matter. And the other spouse will say what? It matters to me. So because it matters to them, it therefore needs to matter to you, right? 
Well, Renee and I, as we were getting to know each other during those first few years of married life, um, I learned there were certain things that were essential to Renee's peace of mind. One of those things was how the toilet paper was placed on the toilet paper roll or out on the holder, okay? I grew up with the paper, now this is embarrassing, but it just is what it is. I grew up with the toilet paper coming out from under the roll. And she said, no, that's not the way it, it's gonna be. And so she says the toilet paper comes over the top. That's how the toilet paper, so yeah, she's down there embarrassed right now, I can see her. Um, but I would say it doesn't really matter to which she responds, it matters to me, right? Another thing is the towels. I fold for quickness and practicality. I fold them up, they're folded, they're in the closet. She folds them up for beauty. She folds them up for aesthetics and the way that they look in the closet, okay? Because it matters to her. Socks, she prefers them folded. Just get the socks, lay them together and fold them over and put them where they should go. I roll them up in each other and stick and just throw them in the drawer, okay? She reminds me, it stretches them out. I get that, okay? But marriages must go through times of figuring out what matters to each other. Now, does it really matter in eternity which way the toilet paper rolls off the holder? Is it consequential which way the towels are folded? Will it wreak havoc on your life if your socks are folded or rolled over each other? Well, sometimes it may because it does stretch them out. So anyway, um, none of these things really matter. But you know what? They matter to Renee. So guess what? These things matter to me. And why do they matter to me? Because I love her. And so these things are inconsequential in the big picture. So I'm like, all right, if she wants it this way, then we'll, then we'll do it this way. And the reason that I do that is because I love her, because love matters. You can put that down for your sermon title this morning. Healthy teams and organizations, we have a team, a large team with us this morning, must throw, go through a process of determining what matters? What matters to the Garden Web soccer team? What are your priorities as a team? I'm sure Tony's talked about that here at the beginning of the year. Churches must do this as well. What are those things that matter to us as a church? What are those things that are important to us as a church? Recently, I read part of a Mars Hill commencement address. I get their um, newsletter from all the different colleges here. Mars Hill has a connection to Baptist life, and so I get that. And I was pleased to see that my friend Guy Sales, who was the former pastor at First Baptist Church Asheville and now adjunct professor there at Mars Hill College, in which he said at the beginning of his commencement address, today I make and elaborate on a simple claim. It matters. He went on to say it matters your life, their lives, and the life of earth. Who, are, who, who you are and who you are becoming it matters. What you do and what you leave undone matters. How you spend or waste time, how you use, invest, squander money, it all matters. Living intentionally and not haphazardly matters. It matters to live with an awareness in each moment, but not merely for the moment. Just a little snippet of his commencement address this last spring at Mars Hill College. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul is writing to the church in the second largest city in the Greco-Roman world, Corinth, second in size only to Rome. 
Corinth on a map is located, it's an, isth- it's an isthmus. Did I say that right? Isth- isthmus? Kind of hard to say. I can't say that right. Okay, it is what it is. And so there's water on each side of it. And so ships would come up on this side, unload their uh, contents and take them across the isthmus to the other side. And so this was to avoid the dangerous and, and difficult route of going around Greece. And so they would, they would do this. So it was a city populated by numerous people by all, from all different walks of life and nationalities as well. It was a host city to numerous athletic events. It was a major city for pagan religions. Now excavation has told us that 12 major temples have been discovered or excavated there um, in Corinth. One of those was to uh, Apollo and one of those was to Aphrodite, the goddess of love, which employed at least about a thousand temple prostitutes. The city was known for its gross immorality. Into this environment, Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth. Paul was charging the church in Corinth with what mattered most. In reading 1st and 2nd Corinthians, we get a glimpse into someone else's mail. We begin to see, we, we kind of, you know, if, if um, I don't know how that is in your home, but, you know, reading other people's mail, but we get a glimpse into a personal letter that was written to a, a church, particular church, at a particular place at a particular time. But yet, it's not just a message for the church in Corinth. It is a message for the church today in 2019 and a message for Boiling Springs Baptist Church today in 2019. Paul was offering some straight talk to the church in Corinth, wrestling with everyday problems. People will often say, if the church could only be like, more like the church in the first century, everything would be okay. Because we read in Acts of what that looked like in that one place at that one time. And so we think that all the churches in the first century were booming and thousands of people were coming to know the Lord every day. And we, if we could only be more like the church in the first century, then everything would be okay. But let me remind you about that church again in Corinth. There were divisions over personalities and doctrine. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 10 through 17, we find Paul at the beginning of this letter addressing the people in this way. 1 Corinthians, 10, 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17, he says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say we were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. And in his last verse here, of of 1 verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Does this sound like any churches today? that have quarrels among them and that are having disputes among them, some divisions over personalities and over doctrine. Paul also addresses the church in Corinth that they struggled with immaturity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as the letter was just beginning, Paul couldn't talk to the church in Corinth as mature Christians. He said, I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food. They also struggled with accountability, with church discipline, with immorality. 
with differences on marriage and divorce, styles of worship, competing religious views, assisting the poor, money, and generosity. Church today, the first century and the 21st century church sound a lot alike. So into this environment, Paul gives guidance. And in chapter 12, he writes about certain spiritual gifts. Our deacons have spent some time talking about that recently that are given to the believers. And chapter 13 is a lengthy reminder that any of these gifts being used without love is vanity. And matter of fact, the greatest gift among all of these gifts, Paul says, is love. Love matters. After all, isn't it usually the things that matter most in life that are the hardest? Love isn't always easy. Teaching is hard because it matters. Being a good parent can be hard. Why? Because your job, our jobs matter as parents. Being a good politician, and I know that may sound like an oxymoron, but being a good politician is hard because the job matters. These are lives, these are countries, these are states, these are communities that are being affected by your role as a leader. Being a pastor is hard work because the job matters. Loving others the way that God would have us to is hard work because love matters. How many times have you heard or read about someone near the end of their lives and they're looking back while they're on their deathbed and invariably they make a comment that sounds something like this. They wish they had spent more time with people and activities they truly loved and less time worrying about aspects of life that upon a deeper examination really don't matter. Imagining yourself at your own funeral allows you to look back at your life while you still have the chance to make some important changes. Some of you may be familiar with a devotional book by a man named Thomas A. Akempis. He wrote, it's called The Imitation of Christ. And this quote several weeks ago meant the world to me. He says this about love. What good does it do to speak learnedly about the Trinity if lacking humility you displease the Trinity? Indeed, it is not learning that makes a man holy and just, but a virtuous life makes him pleasing to God. I would rather feel contrition than know how to define it. For what would it profit us to know the whole Bible by heart and the principles of all the philosophers if we live without grace and the love of God? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity except to love God and serve him alone. If love matters to you and me, it should and it will make a difference in our lives. I want to very quickly tell you five things that love, how love makes a difference. And you could add these, you could add to this list yourself, but number one, when love matters, it makes a difference in the way we serve, work, and worship together. Let me repeat that. When love matters, it makes a difference in the way we serve, work, and worship together. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and of good works. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right before chapter 13, and verse 14 talks about the body is not one member, but many. If, the, if one part of the body says that it doesn't want to work with the rest of the part of the body, you're going to have problems. It's going to be conflict. I see this best embodied uh, today on, on, when we went uh, recently on a mission trip. Uh, that mission trip was under the umbrella of Baptist on Mission. 
There are many different churches with many different worship styles, many different ways of going about what it does that comes together under the umbrella of Baptist on Mission and goes into cities and communities affected by hurricanes. They go into cities in Appalachia that are struggling deeply with poverty and, 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 and just joblessness and insecurity. And they go into these communities and we may have one of the most conservative churches in the world and one of the more, most progressive churches in the world and they come together and they each pick up a hammer and they begin slinging it and working on the project together. I know it can be done because I've seen it. We, we must also acknowledge our differences. We must major on the major and minor on the minors. The problem is we can't agree on the majors. And the major is this. The major is God's love through Jesus Christ for humanity. That is the major. Worship, churches get distracted in that. I have something, well, I'll go ahead and say it. You know, think of it like this with worship styles. I think I may have shared this before. If, if you have uh, a gift in your possession, think of, uh, of it like this. If, if you enjoy the contemporary music, okay, and we sing more traditional music, then a way that you could gift those that really enjoy uh, that traditional music is to say, you know what, I love Joel, and I know Joel may, he may, he may like more of the traditional music. There you are. He may like more of the traditional music. So you know what, I, I, I'm glad they sang that today because I love Joel, and I'm glad he enjoyed that. And then Joel may say, you know what, I know that uh, Cliff Hamrick over here, he loves more of that rocking music, that contemporary music. And, and you know what, I love Cliff. And, and we, we, man, we kind of rocked it out today and with the worship songs. And I, I love Cliff, and I know Cliff loves that kind of music, so I'm glad he got to enjoy that. This is just an one of the examples of the, of the many ways when love matters, it makes a difference, people, in the way that we serve and that we work and that we worship together because love matters. When love matters, it also makes a difference in the way we relate with other people, both inside and outside the congregation. The greatest verse that I can think of related to this is John 13, 35. It says, the world, those outside, will know that we are his because of our love for one another. The way we love one another inside the church matters outside the church. Ephesians 4, 2, Paul says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. A third way that love matters. When love matters, it makes a difference in the way we see ourselves and therefore other people. When love matters, it makes a difference in the way we see ourselves and therefore other people. If you remember when Jesus had the greatest commandment of all, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're not loving yourself in a healthy way, not a prideful, vain way, but if you're not loving yourself, how can you love others the way that God would have you to? 1 John 3, 1, it says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. Fourth, when love matters, it transforms our lives to look more like Jesus. When love matters, it transforms our lives to look more like Jesus. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us and offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. Love matters, church, because it helps us look more like Jesus. And the fifth and final way that love matters, at least for my sermon today, is when love matters, it makes a difference in the way we relate with others to whom we disagree. Jesus had some strong words about that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. 
He said these words. He said, if you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? I want to begin concluding by sharing a quote. This quote will be in your program that you will have, a very nice program next Sunday morning. It's a quote that maybe Jenkins wrote, maybe someone else wrote, I'm not sure. But it's a quote in the 1969 program, and it says these words. May God lead us to new depths of commitment to Christ and his church, to new heights of spiritual growth, to new areas of outreach and witness and service. Love mattered most to God, and that is why he sent Jesus. Jesus showed us what love looks like on earth. And as we aim for these new depths of commitment, for these new heights of spiritual growth, as we aim for new areas of outreach for witness and service, I would also add to that unity. Love must matter the most as we move forward. Now, pastors always say they're closing and they talk for 10 more minutes, right? But I am closing with this. I want, to, I want you to just close your eyes and listen to what I'm going to read. This is the 1 Corinthians chapter 13 from the message paraphrase. This is not a translation, but it is a paraphrase of Eugene Peterson's version or his, his um, interpretation of 1 Corinthians 13. Listen to these words very attentive, uh, attentively. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain jump and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So, no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. Always looks for the best and never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end and understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright, and we'll see it all then. We'll see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, 
Love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. God, thank you for challenging us today and for reminding us that love matters most. There's a lot of things that matter in our lives that are incredibly important. But Father, I pray in my life, in the life of this congregation, that love would matter the most. I'm thankful that you loved us despite our imperfections and our impurities, our flaws, our imperfections, that Lord, you love us as we are amidst our sin, amidst our turning away from you, and that you love us so much you sent us your son to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, and to rise again. Jesus showed us what love looks like. We have had on this earth where lo that love mattered most. Help it to matter in our lives. I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you would like to respond to God's invitation of love, the greatest gift that we could ever be given. Have you responded to that gift? Have you accepted the gift? We could have a gift under a tree, but it's not ours until we open it up. And so have you responded and have you opened the gift of God's love in Jesus Christ into your life and into your heart? If you're here today and desire simply to pray, the altar is open, there's a kneeling bench over here, and you would be urged to do that this morning. If you're here today in the congregation or the choir or wherever it may be and desire membership at Boiling Springs Baptist, we would be delighted to talk with you about that this morning. Let's stand and sing together. I believe our closing hymn is Have Thine Own Way. Let's stand and sing.
standing for just, well, well go ahead and sit down. We've got a couple things to do. Go ahead and sit down. But I'm going to ask um, Karen Penner to come and join me this morning. Heidi's got her busy here. Um, Karen and I have had the privilege of getting to know one another the last few weeks, and we talked some more this morning during the Sunday school hour. But Karen comes to us and lives down across on the other side of the river and um, has uh, put her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. She has been baptized. She has been getting to know this congregation and uh, the choir and has enjoyed singing and, and her activities with us as a church and her involvement with us. And so she comes today and would like to present herself for membership here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church. What is the pleasure of the church? She is, let me say this, thank you. She is coming by, trend, I mean, excuse me, by statement of faith. Uh, and so I, I need to mention that as well. But uh, all those in favor, if you'd say aye. aye. All those opposed. Karen, welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist. We look forward to, to getting to know you more, and we certainly want you to take the opportunity, if you wouldn't mind, for them to come by and just speak with you briefly following our service this morning. If you could have a seat on the, on the front pew for just a moment. Uh, I do want to recognize uh, Gail Hamrick at this time for a, a brief comment. Uh, just an update. The consultant report is in. There will be a time on Tuesday, September 10th at 6.30 p.m., in the LEC for discussion. The report will be available beginning Wednesday, September 4th from the church office as a hard copy or for requesting an email copy. We appreciate your concern and your cooperation. Church, if you'll receive now this benediction. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Divine Master, that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Go in peace.